The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 13th Doctor regeneration story, The Power of the Doctor. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. I still don't know why it's called Power of the Doctor, but okay. Uh, Master took her power? Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> and Father Corey Stiga. Hey, Father Corey. The Doctor is really the power alien in the episode. That's that's the real <laughs> plot line. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. The power alien, the quarrel rinks. Anyway, folks, the before, living battery. Before we yeah. get to all that, uh, I want to actually encourage you, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. And if they let you write a review, write a review. If they give you a way to rate the show, we ask you for a nice five star rating or whatever the top rating is, because we know you love the podcast and share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community and reach more listeners and viewers uh, who love Doctor Who and want to hear us talk about it. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Middle Earth. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth. OK, it's, it's time. The 13th Doctor Regeneration story is here. It's time for us to talk about it. Uh, the Dropped on if you if you were not aware, it dropped on August twenty third. Uh, this past Sunday, as we're as we're uh, the episode o- releases, o- October twenty fourth. Well, today's it August twenty third. Oh yes, October twenty third. Yes, uh, and this is the end of the thirteenth Doctor's run of Woo-hoo! three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> four years, three seasons. Is it four or is so, it five years? I think even maybe five. Uh, yeah, yeah. Five years. This is this is also the hundredth anniversary special of Doctor Who for the BBC. So the hundredth anniversary of the BBC is this year, and they're doing a bunch of specials. Well, this was the Doctor Who one. Yes, right. All right. Before we get into all the stuff we want to talk about, because we're ch- champing it a bit, Jimmy, can you give us uh, your best shot at a synopsis of this episode? Okay, so this is a ninety-minute special, which means it's the equivalent in length of a four-part story from the old mm-hmm. days, but it has modern TV pacing. So that's four parts crammed with stuff. So here yeah. we go. This time, the Thirteenth Doctor, Yaz, and Dan jump into action to save a space train that's being hijacked by Cybermasters. The Cybermasters are after the ship's cargo, which is an energy creature disguised as a little girl. Meanwhile, in 1916, the Master is impersonating Rasputin and has infiltrated the court of Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra. And in 2022, former companions Ace and Tegan are working with Kate Stewart and Unit and have discovered multiple paintings and multiple seismologists have mysteriously vanished. After saving the space train, Dan, who was almost shot in the face, decides he's had enough of being a companion and returns to his life on Earth. Exit Dan. And the Doctor and Yaz trace the space energy creature to 1916, where it's being held captive and used to power a cyber conversion planet that's moved next to Earth. The planet also has a second TARDIS on the surface, which turns out to belong to the Master. 
Kate Stewart calls the doctor to 2022, where she reintroduces her to Ace and Tegan and tells her about the missing paintings and seismologists. The paintings have all been taken down because they've been defaced with the image of the master as Rasputin, and the seismologists have disappeared because the master shrunk them all and is conducting some kind of plot involving volcanoes. When the doctor investigates, the master warns her that this time, this is the day that she'll not only die, but be erased. After which, the doctor and Yaz take him into custody and imprison him at unit. Meanwhile, Instant V. Vendor, who is also in search of the energy creature for reasons never explained, comes mm-hmm. through a wormhole and finds the cyber conversion planet in 1916. The Doctor has been warned by a Dalek traitor that a Dalek incursion on Earth is imminent, but when she meets with the traitor, the traitor is killed and she is taken prisoner and sent back to 1916. In 1916, the Master is working with both the Cybermen and the Daleks, and his plan is to force regeneration upon the Doctor and make her regenerate into him, which he then does, erasing her. The new Master Doctor then goes on a spree to kill everyone and tarnish the Doctor's reputation, but Yaz temporarily strands him on an asteroid. Meanwhile, deep inside her mind, visions of the Doctor's former selves appear to her and help her come to grips with her situation. These include the 1st, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th Doctors. Afterwards, an emergency hologram of the Doctor activates and contacts Yaz, who teams up with Vendor to rescue the Doctor and reverse the forced regeneration. The hologram also appears to Tegan and Ace, who are working to stop the Daleks and the Cybermen in 2022. The Daleks are going to explode volcanoes to kill everyone, but Ace, with the help of Graham, who suddenly shows up, uses Nitro-9 to stall their plans while Kate Stewart and Tegan blow up unit headquarters to entomb the Cybermen within it. Get it? Entomb of the Cybermen. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in 1916, Yaz, Vendor, and the Hologram, now appearing as the Fugitive Doctor, undo the forced regeneration and compel the Master's consciousness back into his own body. Restored to her true self, the Doctor goes to the Cyber Conversion Planet in 1916 and links the Master's TARDIS with her own. She tells Vendor to go back through the wormhole that brought him here while it's still open. She uses the linked TARDISes to jump the Cyber Planet to 2022 and then uses it to stop all the volcanoes in 2022 from erupting by freezing them. She also told the energy creature to direct its power to the planet to destroy it, which it then does. But before everything is finished, the master teleports to his TARDIS and follows the doctor onto the surface of the cyber planet. He says that if he can't be the doctor, then neither can she. He then causes the energy creature to blast the doctor. Yaz brings the wounded doctor back on board her own TARDIS and returns all the others home, or at least to Croydon. Afterwards, the doctor realizes that she is going to regenerate as a result of being blasted by the energy creature. She and Yaz say their goodbyes, and Yaz returns to 2022. 
Yaz then learns that Graham has established a support group for former companions, and she attends a meeting with Graham, Dan, Tegan, Ace, Joe Jones, Melanie Bush, and Ian Chesterton. (laughs) On her own, the doctor goes outside the TARDIS to watch the sun rise and regenerate, so we won't be blowing up the TARDIS again for once. But Mm. when she does regenerate, she turns into the 10th doctor. He recognizes his teeth, looks at his hands and clothes, Mm -hmm. and the episode ends on the word it was fated to end on. What? (laughs) The end. All right. Uh, I I definitely want to get to the ending, but I don't want to start start with the ending. But yeah, that was a great synopsis to be a good job on that because it was so much to cover. I had to rewatch bits of it to clarify exactly what happened. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, I wish I had more time to 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 rewatch myself because there was so much going on. I was frantically taking notes, which is the once again, the they jam everything possible into it at a frenetic pace. Without a moment to breathe, and sometimes it was hard to follow. Yeah, and, and and not just you have them doing this plot line that's just going at 500 miles an hour, but every other line was fan service or some callback or, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it was constant. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed the fan service. You know, there's yep. a couple of scenes that are just amazing, but the plot was just a mess. I mean, really. <laughs> Well, I don't it wasn't a mess in that there were tons of plot holes. It was it was intense in that yeah. you really mm-hmm. had to watch carefully. Um I, I would distinguish between a, a messy plot and a and a demanding plot. And I would Fair say enough. this was demanding. Mm-hmm. Um I'd also touching on something that y'all noted, um, it seems to me there was a shift in Chris Chibnall's approach to making the show. Yeah. We had the two seasons, you know, the first one with, with Jodie Whittaker and then the second one, and those were much slower paced. Mm-hmm. And then we came to the flux and with the flux, the tone of the show fundamentally changed. One of the things that he had been doing previously with the slower paced shows was preaching at the audience constantly. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we got to the flux, the preaching went away and the pace picked up and suddenly we're, we're running through the plots and, and not preaching at the audience anymore. And this is essentially a continuation of that. This is a 90 minute. We're going to run through this. We're going to have a lot of stuff happening. You're going to have to pay attention and we're not going to be preaching at you. And when it's when the series slows down, like at the end of the Sea Devils for just a moment, we get the preaching Mm. or or at the end of 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 the New Year's Dalek episode, the most recent one. Yeah. Even the Daleks. Yeah. When it slows down a little bit, that's where we get the preaching. But um, if this is just going to be straight through, no preaching, all plot. And I appreciate that. Um, I much prefer this style of storytelling to the slower, let's preach at the audience, thank yeah. you, second coming of Gene Roddenberry. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and so I enjoyed this. Of of all of the things that, and this is also self-contained, you don't need to see previous stuff with Jody to, to see this. I thought this was the best thing. I mean, I, I don't like Chris Chibnall's approach to Doctor Who, but of mm-hmm. of all of the things he's done on Doctor Who, I thought this was the best. 
I thought that it's the most enjoyable, it's the least preachy, and it it's something that I thought he was able to give Jody for being Chris Chibnall, he was able to give her a good exit point. I fall kind of closer to you, Jimmy. Like I it was a frenetic pace and it was hard to follow at at times. The story I liked the story mm-hmm. itself. I think it this could have been uh a three-parter or even a six, like they did with the flux. They could have stretched it out a bit to six episodes filled in some of the plot and story and less like, you know, certain characters. They would have just preached at us more then. I suppose that's possible. I mean, even maybe likely, but like there were people in this like characters episode. I'm like, what was the point of that? Like Vinder, what Mm. was the point of Vinder? Uh, and I felt like they tried to jam so much in that it just wasn't enough in 90 minutes to get it all in there. Yeah, I, I don't know that I felt that they. I don't know that I felt exactly that way, that there wasn't enough time to explore what they put in here. I do acknowledge there were flaws in the episode. And and so the inclusion of Vinder and Graham yeah. who just show up and don't do a lot. Um, those seem to be e- extraneous. You could have eliminated those appearances, but if you eliminate those, and I, I understand why you don't want to eliminate Graham because sure. he's he's a fan mm-hmm. favorite, but he also doesn't really have much to do. I mean, you yeah. could have had him come back at the end and found the fan club, the the former companion group. Anyway, um, you didn't need him as part of the Dalek adventure with Ace. Um, so I recognize the inclusion of Vinder and Graham as kind of irrelevancy in the, in the main plot as irrelevancies. Also, Dan, uh, his sudden exit at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I understand why they did that. It's because they need to clear the decks for whoever the next doctor is since we're changing showrunners. And so Mm -hmm. we need to give exits to both of the companions and, and it would be harder at the end of the show to have a triple exit because that's when the regeneration has to occur. Sure. The regeneration needs to be at the end of the show. So it, so whoever's left has to leave at the end. And how do you write a triple exit? Um, it's hard enough to do a double exit, which is what they do with, with Yaz leaving and the doctor regenerating and the logical choice is, well, if you're going to have Dan exit as well, you could kill him, but that's going to cast a pall over the end of, of the mm-hmm. episode. I mean, that's mm-hmm. having a companion death in a regeneration story yeah. is really problematic from an atonal point of view. And if he's not going to die towards the end, then and you can't write him out suddenly towards the end. Like the doctor says, I'm done with y'all and leaves the two companions. Um, <laughs> he needs to leave. He needs, yeah, <laughs> he needs to leave earlier. Sure. And 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 so they gave him they said, let's get him off the board. So he's not involved in the main plot, because if he gets involved in the main plot, he kind of needs to stick around through the main plot. So let's mm-hmm. have an early initial plot, which is the space train rescue, that he can be involved in. He can have an experience that would make a normal person want to quit. And then he can quit for understandable reasons. And we can even bring him back at the end to, you know, show he's still part of the universe and still plugged into these people, which they did. So it, 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 I, it, I understand it's aesthetically unsatisfying to have Dan leave at that point. 
for that reason, but it's, it is logical. It does make sense. And I appreciate why they're doing it in the overall structure of the writing process. Um, although if this were not a regeneration story, they could have gotten him out more gracefully. Mm. I, I think there is a way they could have done it. I mean, now, now admittedly, I'm not a TV show producer or writer or anything like that. I think there's a way they could have phased him out throughout the episode where he's just kind of less and less getting involved. And at just some point he, he just says, you know, I'm going to stay here on earth. You go, go save the universe. And, you know, but that would also involve not having these long teary goodbyes that has become such a hallmark and new who, you know, regenerations weren't these long drawn out 30 minute. We're going to have a tour of the galaxy before I regenerate. Like it feels like this was, but that's, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but it, it, there's I, there's ways I think they could have done that, but that would involve better writers than perhaps Chris Chimnall is. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the another thing another thing they could have done is kill him at the beginning. And well, I mean, not not saying that it happened either though. And killing killing him at the beginning would give them a chance to tonally recover by the end mm-hmm. of the show. Um, and and. And they could even add a revenge element to the show. Um, But killing him again changes the tonal complexity. But I think the 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 longer he goes in the show, the harder it is to get him out in a graceful way. Mm. So whether you kill him at the beginning or retire him at the beginning, it it makes sense that it happened at the beginning to me. Yeah, I mean, it it felt to me a little abrupt, but I mean, I understand the the necessities of the storytelling here. Uh, I also find it interesting that the one they didn't bring back was Ryan, which maybe that the actor just wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume that, that that's the case. Uh, yeah, they could have brought him back to suck his thumb some more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or at least well, even mention him. Yeah, or even but... show up at the Companions Anonymous meeting. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, that was interesting that he was absent. Um, you know, one of the other things is the the loose ends from the Chibnall era, which we'll actually, uh, we're going to have a, a, a Chibnall era retrospective episode where we'll talk more about this. But I, I was interested, there was no, I expected there to be something Timeless Child related in this episode, and there was nothing, zero. Well, there was Dr. Ruth, but other than her, not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but also I, even a mention of it, yeah. Also, the Timeless Child, and and I approve of the Timeless Child. I mean, I don't like all the details of exactly, but I like the idea that the Doctor really does have unlimited regenerations and had pre-heart nail regenerations. I like that because that had really been established before, and then the series went into denial about it. Yep. And I'm happy to not have it be in denial anymore. But notice one of the things it does is it frees up the storytelling because... Mm-hmm. We had a forced regeneration here. She became the master doctor, Yep. you know, mm-hmm. and we don't have to worry about, okay, what's exactly the count of the regenerations? I mean, did she just, <laughs> yeah. she just wasted a lifetime here and she's only got so many more, you know, having, having what we all know to be the truth, which is the doctor will have as many regenerations as the show is long. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it frees up the storytelling to not have that artificial constraint. Also, we it's it it pertains to the next series of the show because okay she regenerates into David Tennant who is now officially not just in the fan circuit but officially in the it, it, I mean Russell T Davies has acknowledged David Tennant as the fourteenth Doctor mm-hmm. 
And mm. Shudi, Shudi Gatwa is the 15th doctor in David Tennant's words. And and so we're going to have three specials next November. This has been this is the what's currently confirmed. We're going to have three specials next November with the 14th doctor, David Tennant, before we move on to the 15th doctor, Shudi Gatwa. And um, that is, again, a, a, the possibility of that is, again, a byproduct of no more regeneration limit. Right. Mm-hmm. And it frees up the storytelling. Anything is possible now. I mean, they could do they could mm-hmm. literally do anything. And sometimes, you know, the, the old adage, constraints make for better storytelling. So the mm-hmm. loss of a constraint could could also if someone could go nuts and have like 10 yeah. gen- regenerations in a story and, you know, it could be mm-hmm. kind of chaotic. Hopefully there'll be some restraint. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I didn't well, hadn't heard that that the tenant is now officially the 10th and 14th doctor. That's that's news to me. Well, it just means curse fatal death is is now canon because you can't regenerate that many times in one episode. That's right. Oh, I had quite enough of that on Terceris. <laughs> it is now canon. Uh, so, so the other thing was, were you guys surprised by the appearance of the first, seventh, fifth, eighth, and uh, what did I miss? Six. Six, the doctors. Do were you surprised by those actors showing up? Because I hadn't heard anything about it. I I haven't actively been looking for rumors, but I don't know if you guys. Because mm-hmm. I cheered when I saw mm-hmm. uh, David oh. Bradley. Yeah, yeah. I I I wasn't falling for rumors either. I was just I was just trying to find out when this goofy show was going to air because they <laughs> waited till two weeks before to finally tell us. Right. But uh, yeah, I was I was surprised and I was thrilled. And actually, there as I said uh, at the beginning of our recording that. There's two two uh, two uh, scenes involving Peter Davidson and Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, that that allowed them to do that. Fans, those of us who are fans of classic who have been saying we want to see this. Right, we want to see these classic doctors. We want to see them with their companions. You know, even if they don't look like they did back in the eighties and nineties or seventies or whenever, mm-hmm. we still want to see them. So I was I was thrilled to see them. You know, yeah. yeah. When I saw David Brad's like. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, and then he start, starts doing the morphing thing, which yeah. is like, oh, this is cool. Including <laughs> Paul McGann not wanting to wear robes. Yes. I don't do robes. <laughs> it was awesome. Was so There's cool. always one. Yeah. That was nice characterization for the eighth doctor. Yeah, because we know so little, little about him. Giving him the quirk. I'm not wearing robes. Yeah, that yeah. that was good. Um, I was not surprised. Uh, I did not expect it when it happened, but I knew that like several of the former doctors had been spotted in Wales during the filming window and like they'd been seen at, seen at restaurants and stuff. Um, and that it appeared on Twitter. Um, I also heard that there were multiple doctors involved, but based on people who had seen this and the trailer for the 60th anniversary. And I was expecting, um, I was expecting multiple doctors in the 60th anniversary specials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we may still get that, but we may not now. Um, but I had seen some fans who had seen both the power of the doctor and the trailer for the 60th. And, and they indicated there were multiple doctors involved. I was assuming they were in the trailer, mm-hmm. but I also knew there was a possibility they would be in, in this 
And I was not expecting David Bradley when he showed up. Yeah. David Bradley was a surprise. The others were then not a surprise, although I was pleased to see how many of them they got. They basically got a complete run from five to eight. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Too bad Tom Baker didn't decide to participate. That's the one I was Um, hoping to see. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he did get to participate in the 50th. So this is kind of, you know, equitable. Yeah. The... I I really appreciated that they were able to get the interactions between the fifth doctor and Tegan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And between the seventh doctor and Ace through the hologram. Those yeah. were great. Um, I also like the way they did it as these are fragments of the doctor's memory. They don't have to look the way they did back then. Mm-hmm. Right. That was good. If you're going to have, I, I if you're going to have m- many doctor stories, now there's a, I was, in thinking about this last night, there's a difference between multi-doctor stories and mini-doctor stories. You can have multi-doctor stories where it's just two. Mm-hmm. You know, we've yeah. had that, like, we had that as far back as the sixth doctor when we had a team up in Spain with the seventh doc- with the second doctor. And we had it again recently in Fugitive of the Jadoon with, mm-hmm. with Jody and the Fugitive Doctor. Yep. So you can have multi-doctor stories, but if you want to do them for anniversaries, like happened at the 10th anniversary and the 20th anniversary, you've got a problem. There are too many doctors now, and you've got to exclude people because you cannot give them all substantive roles in the plot. Yeah. It worked in the in the three doctors because there were only three doctors. By the time we got to the 20th anniversary and the the five doctors as a story, I mean, okay, there's some enjoyability there, but from a writing perspective, that's a hard fail. Yeah. Because you you cannot tell five doctors in a story with companions from all of them and a supporting cast of the master and time lords <laughs> and monsters. It's just, there's just too much. Um, and if, with five doctors breaking the seams, you, you've really got a problem. Now, for the 50th anniversary, um, the plan was to just do 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. And then have a little cameo of Tom Baker. And and that's fine. You could you can do like three doctors in a story and have it work. But now there's just too many. And so if you're going to do not a multi-doctor story, which could be two or three, if you're going to do a mini doctor story where you want to bring in as many as you can, like this one, this is the way to do it. Mm. Where you have you have you get your glimpse of the supporting doctors, but they are written structurally as cameos. There's a mm-hmm. reason why these guys are only cameos and not major parts. It's because they're rapidly shifting mental echoes of her mm-hmm. former selves. And and that way you get them in, you get your fan service, but they don't clog the plot and right. and end up standing around for scene after scene with line with one line being parceled out here and another there. So for a mini doctor story, I really thought this was a model of how to do it. Yeah. And and you know, speaking of you know, Ace and Tegan getting to see their doctors or mm-hmm. professor, which I loved Ace kept saying yeah. professor, yeah. uh, was also just Tegan getting to hear the fifth doctor say to her once again, Braveheart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yep. I got emotional. I mean, even I, I'm not that well versed in classic who I, I, I've become much better, but even I got like, oh, that's so awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah. And it was just a great moment. 
I cheered a little bit when that was going on. And of course, you know, they mentioned, you know, what led up to that was Mm -hmm. the fifth doctor saying, you know, Cyberman, what are you thinking? And of course, she immediately says Adric, you know, and of course, because that's the last time she saw the Cyberman was when Adric died. So, I mean, again, good callback and good connection. And and that really touched me more. I mean, I liked the Braveheart, but more than that, Mm -hmm. when she says, so if, if you're, you know, telepathic, tell me what I'm thinking, seeing all these Cybermen. Mm -hmm. And he just says, Adric. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. Yes, that's exactly what she would be thinking. Right. You know, seeing all these Cybermen because it was on it was to it was trying to defeat the Cybermen that led to Adric's death. Right. And And, a couple. And and that would be a very powerful memory for her. One one thing I'm very I am grateful for. And you kind of touched on it, Jimmy, is they didn't try to do any of the de-aging technology like they did, you know, like they did with the Mandarin uh, Mandalorian and uh, Luke Skywalker, you know? Yeah. They didn't try to do any of that kind of stuff where they tried to make them look like the doctor of their time. Um, they kept them the way they are. And they, 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 like you said, there was a plausible explanation of why they were, uh, why they looked the way they did, why they, they didn't look the same they did back in the eighties. And so I, I think it worked out, worked out really well, but we still got to see them. And, you know, the fact is, you know, you, you look at some of these guys, they're, they're not in the prime of their health anymore. They can't do an adventure where they're running around anymore, even just right. for a scene or two. So they have to be somewhat static in, in their sure. presentation, whether sitting or, or standing instead of running through a cave like they used to do. I, I also liked uh, when Ace was talking with the seventh doctor, uh, we got the mm-hmm. first thing he tells her it's never fine to blow things up. So we get <laughs> telling yep. her that. But we also get this resolution. Well, except except he acknowledges it is. But yes. Yeah. Sometimes uh, we get this resolution in their relationship, which I think I didn't read it yet. Uh, Childhood's End, which is uh, Sophie Aldred's novel about Ace mm-hmm. as an adult in, in working yep. for unit um, that uh, that there's this resolution to their relationship that we never got on screen. And so this acknowledgement of what he was trying to do and her apology to him and back and forth. And that was a nice moment as well. I've read part of the novel. Um, Apparently, by the end of it, it's established that Ace's timeline is fractured into multiple different versions of of Hmm. herself. And um, and that can thus we can accommodate what we see on TV and what's in the novels and what's in Big Finish and what's in her novel and so forth. Mm. So apparently she's got multiple resolutions with the doctor and they're deliberately leaving what happened vague. Um, Mm. But I like I like that there's a callback to the very I mean, we have a couple of callbacks, but I like the. the callback to the very beginning of her relationship with the doctor where, so her name is Dorothy. Yes. And then her, 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 the rest of her name is never established on screen and in ice world in the Dragonfire, the ice world story, her, her, she reveals her name is Dorothy and she was taken to ice world by a time storm, which we later learn is caused by Fenris Mm -hmm. um, or Fenric. Um, But uh, in other media, her, her the rest of her name is either Dorothy Gale after Dorothy mm-hmm. from the Wizard of Oz right. or Dorothy Gale McShane. Mm-hmm. And 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 so she's com- most commonly called Dorothy McShane. Um, but we have a recognition that her name is Dorothy. Um, 
the master acknowledges that early on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she also says, the last time I saw you, you were half cat, which is a reference to survival where the Anthony yep. Ainley master and Ace and the, the seventh doctor were on the cheetah planet where they were right. like turning it to Ace and the master were turning into cat people. Um, but then, you know, early on, the reason, even though her name is Dorothy, the reason she's called Ace is because she has a compulsive habit of using the word ace to describe anything that she approves of. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like a good thing. It's ace. And um, and they drop that very quickly because it was an annoying mm-hmm. speech tick. <laughs> um, and it's just her name after that. But in this, the you know, she she tells the hologram of the seventh doctor that she is sorry that they fell out and that she judged him. And he says the, the the joy of, you know, all children leave home and the joy is seeing them fly. Right. And mm-hmm. and she says, so we're we're good then. And, and he says, we're better than good. We're ace. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Also, Nitro 999. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Supercharged Nitro 9. Uh, and of course, still doesn't got the timer right. But yeah. yeah, actually, in the novel, she's upped it to Nitro 9 to Nitro 90. Okay, mm. <laughs> so she's got it even up up further. So, uh, you know, with all of, it's kind of funny with with all of this, we've spent so much time talking about the classic who references, and I was thinking like, but this, for for the, those of us who know classic who, we get all the references, we and, and perhaps even enjoy all the references. But what do you think for? And I would love to hear from listeners for whom this is mm-hmm. the case. Those who don't know classic who, who are strictly new who, is it is it too much? Does it reduce the enjoyment? Uh, I'm kind of interested about the balance that they strike here. Right. It is a hundredth anniversary episode, so yep. I mean, it as it structurally it it should involve something of a retrospective of Doctor Who's place in the BBC over the last hundred years, um, rather than being all new content. So I think it's appropriate that it have a kind of that it have elements of this nature. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it integrated them successfully. But also, I so to talk about the new things, the Master Doctor. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I mean, this builds on what they've been establishing um, because so they the the Master says to the Doctor, they even did this to you once before, which they did to the second Doctor. Mm hmm. You know, that's how we got the third doctor. That was a forced regeneration. And we learned who the Time Lords were for the first time. And they punished the doctor by forcing him to regenerate into the third doctor. And they picked his appearance Mm -hmm. and his personality and didn't leave it in his control. We then got an echo of that in the night of the doctor when the eighth doctor regenerated into the war doctor. Mm And now we have um, we have this kind of payoff of we're going to because and because they make it explicit there. The sisterhood says, pick the personality you need. Right. You you can be a warrior. You can be a healer. You can be whatever you need, but pick your personality and we'll make it happen. And so turning the doctor into the master. Wow. Is I mean, that's intense. That has not been done before, but it's a logical extension of what's been done before. And I was really thrilled to see that. And as horrible as it is now, the master doctor is part of her regenerational history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought they might be touch on the veiliard at this point, but 
they didn't quite go there, but I was very impressed by that as writing. That was unexpected, but logical. Before we get too deep into the Master Doctor, I want to go back mm-hmm. to all the classic Who references. I yeah. think it, it makes sense that this particular episode focused on the classic Who references, because mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of references to, to New Who. We don't hear anything about Captain Jack or Rose or sure. any of that. Yeah. This is all, these are all classic references. All the lines are based off things that happened in classic Who, or the events like the Forced Regeneration was something that happened in classic Who. It makes sense because, of course... We regenerate into a new Who doctor, David Tennant. And so it makes sense that the the upcoming specials, the 60th anniversary specials, will focus more probably on new Who reference, especially since it's Russell T. Davies who really created new Who. So it makes sense that this this one focused on the classic references. And there were Mm. tons and tons of classic references. Now, for, for those who maybe don't know classic Who, I have a feeling a lot of the lines probably just went over their head. Sure. And maybe maybe it, it would affect their enjoyment of it, because those of us, again, Jimmy and I both you know, have been watching Classic Who since way back when, since it was still being aired. Um, we, we would pick them up. I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. I recognize that line. I recognize that line, you know, and then someone who hasn't seen that's going to kind of go, oh, OK, well, that was kind of a strange statement. Who is this Adric fellow? What was right. what was this about the calf cat person? Things like that. So, oh, another one that's like that is when the doctor leans in to when the master leans into the doctor and says, we could call this call this the master's Dalek play. <laughs> I love oh, that. I love that, that line. In, instead of which <laughs> is the cyber master <laughs> or the cyber Dalek master plan or something. And, yeah. And, but that's a reference to the, the longest first doctor story, which was a 12 parter. Um, like yeah. It was 12 parter called the Daleks master plan. So the master's Dalek plan, you know, that works. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice metafictional callback. <laughs> right. It's, and, you know, speaking of the and now to jump back to the cyber, the the master doctor, was was it your impression that the the master's um, not only physical appearance, but his personality mm-hmm. and memories were overlaid on the doctors so that yes. he had access to her memories throughout all of the regenerations that she had access to and and all of that so that it really was. The doctor in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the doctor. I am the doctor and you will obey me. Um, (laughs) What what was not clear to me at first was I assumed that there were like now that the master is still fully functional and and the doctor is has also had the master overlaid on top of her, just like the master race in the David Tennant finale, The End of Time. Where every person on earth had the master. This is so stupid. This is one of the dumbest <laughs> things Russell T. Davis has ever done. Yeah. But he did it. And where every person on earth has become, has had the master overlaid on top of them. But there's still a, a, there's still the master prime, you know, who has always mm-hmm. been the master and is not an overlay. And I assume that's what was happening here. But based on the way they develop it, it appears not only has has the masters has Jody had the master overlaid on top of her, but the master's consciousness has moved from one body to another and they put it back in his main body mm-hmm. at when they undo the forced regeneration. Right. Right. And- I think they did a good job of kind of showing that by he comes out wearing garb from different 
doctors. So he's wearing like the seventh doctor vest and he's wearing the fourth doctor scarf and he's got Jody's jacket on over all of it. And, and the fifth doctor know, uh, celery the and celery on got the, lapel. the second doctor's recorder. Yep. Yep. Playing sky and, and, and pants yeah. of the first doctor. He's got the, the, oh, the right. checkered pants of the first doctor and things like that. So they did a good job of showing that in the dread, the appearance that he took on. Which I thought was good. it was kind of a good way to do easy way to do that, frankly, but a good way to do that. Yeah, that was good. Um, so before that, so we have this very manic doctor. It's just like he's he's like the um, the uh, the tenth doctor. The tenth doctor. I'm sorry, the tenth doctor's master. You know, the Sasser Dewan master is is very similar in that manic uh, approach to everything, and. I felt it was really appropriate to have him be Rasputin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who was, mm-hmm. you know, famous for this reported ability to mesmerize hypnotize. people. Yeah. Hypnotize yeah. people. Yep. And I, I thought that was really Survived cool. Death too. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. got kind of reputation of being able to like, you try to poison him and he survived and things like that. So. I mean, it, yeah, the master is, is Rasputin. That, that fits. Yeah. So situating this in actual history uh, and we will be doing Rasputin on Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Assuming so. (laughs) But um, so, you know, he infiltrated the court of of Tsar Nicholas II, who is the last of the of the czars. And in 1916, you know, which is during World War Two, he. Oh, sorry. One. Yes. Um, <laughs> we I became unstuck in time. Um, <laughs> so during which is during World War One, he did convince Tsar Nicholas to take a vacation, and, which is what he does, which is why Tsar Nicholas exits the plot so right. early. Mm-hmm. He convinces him and the Tsarina to, to take a vacation. He was treating their son spiritually with spiritual healing for his for his uh, hemophilia which was a very serious health concern because of inbreeding in the royal families and so forth. Um, And and this is also very close to the death of Rasputin. Rasputin was killed later in 19, like in December of 1916. And so this is quite close. And the vacation was like late in 1916. So this is this is quite close to Rasputin's death. I'm a little surprised they didn't. Um, and actually, if they bring back Sasha or for the next master, what I would do if I was Russell T. Davies, whether it's Sasha Dewan or someone else, I would have them explain that the reason Rasputin was so hard to kill because mm-hmm. it reportedly took multiple attempts is because he kept regenerating. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So and and we have this really funny, awkward, weird um, music video sequence. Oh yeah, this is great. Yeah, is using so the uh, the Boney this, M. Yeah, this uh, Boney M song, which you find all over so, uh, social media. Here's a little clip of it. <laughs> I mean, it's a Rasputin the Love Machine. I mean, it was just so bizarre and funny, yeah. and I mean, it could have been too much, but I think it worked. Uh, pretty well. Oh no! Yeah. It it I know the Boney M song, and I plan on using the whole thing when we do it, do it for Mysterious World as an end cap. Oh good. Um, but um, and, and the song portrays it's like a I forget seventies or eighties song, and it portrays seventies. Rasp- yeah. It portrays Rasputin as this love machine who has seduced the Tsarina, and actually that's not so <laughs> historically. 
you know, yeah. necessarily reliable. Right. Um, I mean, he did. He did sleep around on his wife, but it's it's dubious that he did with his arena. Um, but um, but there's a the way they integrate the song into the show is awesome because he's got Jody. It's in 1916. It's in the Imperial Palace. He's got Jody and, you know, tied up and he's got the Daleks and Cybermasters standing around there. And and he at a certain point, he's talking about how he loves the garb of Rasputin. You know, he's mm-hmm. really into this disguise because the masters always love disguises. And he then triggers a, a sound and light show <laughs> where he he starts he, the Boney M song starts playing and he starts dancing to it. And he's even going up and down with the kind of Russian high kicks, you know, yeah. where you drop mm-hmm. and do the high kicks. Um, and one of the Cybermen just looks at one of the Daleks who just looks back. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's even a line in the Boney M song about the way he carried on was such a disgrace. And mm-hmm. I, I can't help thinking that's what the Cybermen and the Dalek are thinking to each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we, yeah. But then we cut up to the moon or not the moon, but the cyber conversion planet where Vendor is and he's leaving mm-hmm. a message for the doctor and the energy creatures up in the sky. And there's this moment in the Boney M song where it just surges forward and becomes incredibly powerful. And we see Vendor running on the moon at that mm-hmm. moment in front of the energy creature and the cutting of the film to the song it just becomes visually and emotionally very powerful. Mm. And I thought it absolutely worked. I thought that was a tremendous creative choice to use that song at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, even the dancing that the the master was doing, you can go on YouTube and there's a a video when Bonium performed this Mm -hmm. song at some uh, concert in Germany because he's from Germany and it actually was an anti-Soviet song. It got banned in the Soviet Union because, of course, Rasputin was the enemy of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dancing is very similar. It's very similar to the, 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 the stuff, the running around and stuff that Boney M did when he performed it back in the, the yeah. 70s. It was 78, I think, is when it came out. So, yeah, it was it was very well done. I, I got a kick out of, out of that scene, definitely. Yes, in the uh, cyber conversion planet, or as I call it, Starkiller Base. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a striking resemblance to Starkiller Base from the. I was, from from was actually Star- disappointed they didn't yeah. call it Mondas. Yeah, I was thinking that's what they were going to go with. Oh, the the system has an extra planet. Oh, yeah. it must be oh the tenth planet Mondas. But but we already yep. did Mondas in the in the in the regeneration episode of the Thirteenth Doctor. So. Well, I can see why they wouldn't do we it. We didn't do Mondas. We did Mondasian Cybermen. Oh, right. earlier in that season. That's right. It wasn't that episode, but it was earlier in that season. That's true. Um, so we have this interactive AI hologram of the Doctor that shows up, or as I like to call it, the emergency Doctor hologram. Uh, oh. <laughs> so uh, to help guide things along. I thought that was a a useful, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, technology that could advance the plot a little bit and help Yaz and that sort of thing. I thought that was a, a, a nice way. Like you mentioned, Jimmy also bringing in the other doctors. Um, so that was good. Um, we have Graham inexplicably in a volcano in Bolivia running into ACE with psychic I, I, paper. <laughs> I, I love how he tries to introduce himself as Arnold Palmer's son. 
Volcano, <laughs> volcano inspector. <laughs> and then she reads, you know, Graham, former companion of the doctor, and just reads all this whole thing. Is like, <laughs> I can never get this thing to work. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I like, uh, I also cheer a little bit when uh, the uh, Dr. Ruth shows up in the, uh, in, as mm-hmm. a hologram in the, uh, in the, the winter palace and gets the cyber masters to shoot each other. Um, that was, that was really good. And, I mean, it was it was fun and, and to just, see. Just just to clarify that, because it goes by rapidly on screen. She, as a hologram, is standing in the middle of a bunch of Cybermen. And so they fire at her. But because she's in the middle of all of them and mm-hmm. she's insubstantial as a hologram, the blasts pass right through her, the hologram and shoot each other. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Cybermen are not the smartest bulbs on the tree. Um, but these are... The Cybermasters, which, again, we saw in the Timeless Child episode from two seasons ago, uh, which, uh, you know, before the the Flux season. And uh, this was the the Masters. He kind of gave regeneration powers to the Cybermen. And this is at least we're getting the resolution of that. That was kind of weird last season where we didn't get the payoff Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah, that was was good. (sighs) Also, some people I've seen on YouTube complaining that they didn't explain how they got off of Gallifrey because they released a death particle on Gallifrey that was going to kill all organic life. And as Father Corey pointed out, when we reviewed that episode, there is a line where planted in the episode where before as the death particle is being released, Sasha Dewan's master says, quick, all of you through here. And so he clearly did have a way off Gallifrey. Right. Even if we didn't see it, we heard about it. And so there is an explanation that has been explained. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so, I mean, I don't feel like I, there's much to talk about with the, the whole volcano plot and the, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. I mean, it's 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 a big plot to get there and run around and things. Um, we did see Asher. Was it Asher? The uh, the Cyberman, the rogue Cyberman? Ashad. Ashad. That's Ashad. Right. And- um and yep. they explain that even though they do, the master does explain that tissue compression can be reversed in this. He um, mm-hmm. he explains the death of a shot a different way. He says at first that I killed him, but he forgave me and or I killed him once, but he forgave me. And then later he says, I'm so glad I cloned you. Yeah. And so a shot, the lone Cyberman is a clone of the original Ashad. Right. right. And we get finally get a. You know, he gets killed off in in the uh, entombing of the Cybermen in the unit building. So that mm-hmm. so we get a resolution to, to his storyline. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, Vinder shows up, gets the drop on the master and then flies away. This, yeah, I, I feel like we didn't get any resolution on Vinder at all no. in this. And mm. he, they build him up and then there's really there was really nothing to his story in the end. Yeah, Vendor is the is the fifthest fifth wheel in this. <laughs> yes, he yeah. is. Uh, he, he really just kind of felt like he was put in to make a connection back to the flux season. I mean, that that's really just kind of what he felt like, and and to be the guy with the gun. Although, you know, there there's other. Yep. Uh, you've got Yaz was given a gun. As I didn't think you like you hated guns, and she just kind of well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> an had weapons scene. training. Yeah, well, yeah. she's a she's a policeman, right? She's a yeah PC. Yeah. But I mean, even like the doctor was called out on that, and she just right. kind of. Eh. Well, I mean, I think that was an itch, actually a very interesting moment where the doctor is, says, "Give her a gun to 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 guard him," and and he kind of acknowledges, like you know, sometimes you got to have a gun. And I wonder, is this a reaction? Is this 
you know, Chibnall re- kind of reacting to the fact that in classic who the doctor often, if not using a gun himself, had other people around him using guns. I, I thought it was interesting. He, he's trying to strike a balance and I'm, I, and I think it's healthy because having acknowledgement, yes, you do sometimes have to use lethal force or the threat of lethal force is, is true. And mm-hmm. having a more realistic show than Peter Capaldi's anti-soldier histrionics was, you know, <laughs> is, is better. Um, I also, he tries to do the same thing with the seventh doctor hologram where he tells Ace it's never okay to blow stuff up, but then he immediately modifies that by saying, well, I mean, you got to give him a warning first and things like that. And so there is an acknowledgement <laughs> that you do, it is okay to blow stuff up, but under certain conditions. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, speaking of, um, Classic Who and Guns. Uh, there was a moment where the master makes a crack about the the uh, the brigadier at Kate mm-hmm. about her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's not she's not going for the uh, you know going after that uh, doesn't doesn't take the bait, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. Um, so I, I like how when they lock the master up, he's he 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 says something about I haven't seen a room service menu. I have an intolerance to humans. <laughs> yeah, I have allergies. I have allergies to humans. I'm human intolerant, and <laughs> and they, and he says, "Hey, I'm just trying to lighten the mu- the mood a little bit before you all die." <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it going. He, how many times has the master escaped from the from cells? You know, why doesn't mm-hmm. the doctor lock him in the TARDIS somewhere? You know, that at least keep an eye on him. But you know, you're gonna have well, well not not even escape from cells, escape from units. <laughs> yeah, right. Often. By the way, I this was interesting to watch this because they do put Kate Stewart's fate on the line in this. Now she does survive. But at one point, she volunteers for cyber conversion in order to get other people released from cyber conversion, which is stupid. Um, but I, they, they, they put her her fate on the line. And I just recently, I watched her very first appearance, which is mm-hmm. in um, spinoff media from between 1989 and 2005. There were fan production videos that were done with some of them with licensing agreements with the BBC. And one of them was called Downtime. And it introduced, it had Lethbridge Stewart, her father in it, but it also had her in it as a young single mother who was not at all in the military. And so it's in, and she has this very 1980s hair. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's interesting to see how that character has evolved from spinoff media to main canon and becoming the head of unit and her father's replacement. And it's it is just very interesting to watch that character arc. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is often lifted up as the, the one that has the spinoff canon, this wide ranging canon, goes to all kinds of media. But Doctor Who has done it for ages, and it's it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to see that they, they continue to do that. And it hasn't rebooted it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty much from the beginning, there, there's there been spinoff stuff from Doctor Who. I mean, you can go back to the uh, Peter Cushing, move, Cushing movies that, you know, they're not canon, but and they're based off of basically uh, right. plot lines from the series. Well, they are canon now, but not in the way that. So Pete, um, Stephen Moffat canonized them in in one of the novels he wrote for the 50th mm-hmm. anniversary where they're apparently movies that were made in the Doctor Who universe. Right. And and that's not my solution. My headcanon is that's the Doctor in an alternate timeline. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. And, and by the way, if you watch the uh, Daleks 2150 AD uh, movie with the riff tracks, they make a comment that this is about as about as plausible as the canon. This is about as canon as this movie. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, you right. know, where they, they call that out. So uh, let's get to the uh, to the big meat of this story. The whole point of this story was to come bring us to a regeneration moment. So as the like you said in your summary, Jimmy, as the master's dying, he says, if I if I can't, you know, if I can't go on, you aren't you don't get to be the doctor either. And he manipulates the quarinks somehow the energy creatures somehow to have its energy beam hit her. And so she starts dying. The regeneration starts. Um and then we have this line where Yaz, who's now piloting the TARDIS with ease, uh, drops everyone off at Croydon, which is not, a... Not with ease. She well, does have sticky notes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There's rel- with relative, uh, you know, Ace even remarks that, uh, I think it's Ace Fatigue remarks, you can fly this uh, thing, you know, that, that she was uh, surprised yeah. at it. Um, drops her off at Croydon, which is a reference back to how Sarah Jean was left off in Croydon. Uh, and it was well, supposed to be in Croydon, but actually Edinburgh. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. That's right. Um, and we just talked about that recently. Um, and then the, the doctor, as the regeneration starting, says, I want more time. And it's kind of funny because it seems like the doctor always says that at the regeneration moment, or at least has said that a lot. It's in, well, in, in new recently, home. recently. Yeah. yeah. It, was it ever in classic? I'm trying mm. to remember. Okay. Not really. So it's, it's been a, like, cause I, I certainly the 10th doctor did, and maybe that's why they'll get the explanation for why the 10th doctor shows up or mm-hmm. partially why, um, is mm-hmm. recalling that, um, well, it's, and you look at the regeneration classic who they're usually very quick. Um, they're, they're a little bit of, you know, things are changing and then it happens. You've got the seventh, the regeneration of the seventh doctors, Colin, uh, Colin Baker wasn't even there. It was, this, right. you know, it was Sylvester McCoy dressed up as him. So yeah, the regenerations are very different in class coup than they've been. And even it was really the 10th doctor into the 11th doctor where they, they had these big drawn out regenerations. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Speaking of speeches, the doctor says to Yaz, a wise person once said to me, goodbyes only hurt because what came before was so special. Is that a callback to something? I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah. That sounds like somebody trying to be profound when yeah. they're really not. But. Okay. I thought it might have been a callback to a previous line at some point. Uh, maybe uh, a listener can let us know if they if they recognize it. The meaning um, of life is living a life of meaning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lower next reference. Uh, so... Uh, we have Graham and Dan now as Yaz has dropped off, Graham and Dan meet her uh, at this park and they're taking it to the Companions Anonymous meeting, which was so awesome to see mm-hmm. uh, Melanie, Joe mm-hmm. and Ian uh, and Ace and Deegan. Ian Chesterton. Yeah. Just, I, I love I'd, that. I'd hope that Ian Chesterton would be in an episode where he's actually, you know, he's doing something. But again, you know, he's 90 years old or somewhere around there. So, I mean, yeah. you can understand why he's not not active again an active <laughs> active character anymore so but it was still good to see him i, I, I like that how many doctors are there now oh he said did yeah. you say she <laughs> yeah yeah ian's question was did you say she 
which yeah. would be yeah. very interesting for someone who was only exposed to William Hartnell and did not know anything about the Time Lords or regeneration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then how many doctors are there was Melanie Bush's question, who finally oh, for, the, okay. for the first time gets credited as Melanie Bush in the credits because initially her her last name was never used on screen. Right. And she That's was right. just Mel. Yep. And Joe gets her married name, Joe Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was an, another difference. Um, and then we go to the regeneration where one broad church actor becomes another broad church actor. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of a funny uh, coincidence, given that the, the broad church producer is the guy in charge of the show. Uh, so, and you know, I I knew it wasn't going to be Shudigawa. I knew about the, the but I, I was, mm-hmm. my wife, Melanie, had, she doesn't follow any of the, the, uh, online stuff she only knows what she sees you know on the screen she enjoys that i was like were you surprised she's like i I was really surprised at that um Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see that you know we have this is now tenant's third regeneration Mm -hmm. given the metacrisis doctor as well so probably the most regenerations of any actor (laughs) so far uh so kind of interesting to see if we really want to throw a a or hit the, the hornet's nest, we could bring up the fact that he's really not the 14th Doctor, but he would actually be the 16th Doctor, if you count the War Doctor and his two regenerations. Oh, well, and then all the pre-Hartnell Doctors. You know, the, yeah. he's, he's, there's really four he's playing, though. There's the first tenant regeneration, the second tenant regeneration, the Metacrisis spinoff Doctor, mm-hmm. who has only one heart, and now the 14th Doctor. The first and second. Oh yeah, cause, because cause yeah. he he's initially he's the he's the tenth doctor, and then he gets shot by a Dalek and says, "I'm regenerating," and then he does, and so there's a second tenant regeneration, right. which he is stays, why that's yeah. which is why Matt Smith would have been the final doctor under the twelve regenerations rule. Got right. yeah. there, there, he did the uh, he, he started the regeneration and then he put the regeneration energy into his hand, which became the metacrisis. Yeah. Gotcha, doctor. gotcha. Right, right, right. Uh, oh, yeah, that's so, true. It's that's what I'm talking about, the, the two, the two yep. uh, regenerations. I'm not talking about the Metacritus doctor spinning off from yep. that. So, and now this leaves us where we're going to go into the 60th anniversary specials with David Tennant and Catherine Tate as Donna and uh, uh, Bernard Cribbins as Wilf and and whoever else shows up. I mean, who knows what, what else we got, we, there's going to be coming in those. There's been lots of rumors, you know, who knows. But uh, kind of interesting. So in the end, you know, is this a good regeneration episode from your point yeah. of view? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I got to say, you know, you know, given the unevenness of the, <laughs> to be generous, of the Jodie Whittaker era, um, I think it was a fitting end. And uh, mm-hmm. I, overall, I was pleased with this episode. So uh, that's my take. Any last thoughts for you, Father Corey? So there was one one callback line we didn't mention. And we talked about how... Uh, the master called Ace uh, Dorothy. Well, before that, he goes, "Oh, Tegan, how, how's your aunt Vanessa? Is she fitting in the China in the China cabinet or the the, the dollhouse?" Because when Tegan was introduced, the master had shrunk her. They had broken down next to the TARDIS, and yep. shr- and the master shrunk down his aunt, her aunt Vanessa, and she ended up in the TARDIS, and that's how she ended up traveling first with Tom Baker and then Peter right. Davidson. Right, that's right. Yeah, and there was also another. Um, line that Tegan had about uh, you know, I can I can you know do this 
hard task. I was an air hostess in the early 80s, which was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, talk about all these things you've done around the world in an air host. If you could do that. Yeah, yeah that was that was good. Uh, Jimmy, final thoughts? Well, speaking of Tegan callback lines, um, at one point she's crawling down through an access thing in, mm-hmm. I mean, she, it's like an elevator shaft, but it's too small for an elevator. And she's crawling, climbing down a ladder in it. And she's she makes noise and the, the Cybermen figure out she's in there and are about to start shooting at her or maybe have at this point. And she has her callback curse word from the 1980s, oh. rabbits. All <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> and so that's kind of a deep cut to remember yeah. rabbits. Yeah. Um, also, I thought it was interesting that they established that the Master's TARDIS is a Type 75, and so it's more advanced mm-hmm. than the Doctor's Type 40. Um, I like the the way the volcanoes, when they froze them, that they became metal sculptures, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they're erupting some of them with big plumes of of magma that just suddenly become solid metal in the air. That was totally unbelievable, but cool. <laughs> um, the I, I was interested. You got the name Karunks for the energy, for the space battery creature. Yeah. Um, I couldn't quite hear what it was and I didn't have closed captioning uh, available on what I was watching. So mm. um, I, I got Karant. It's like a, it's, it's a Karant. <laughs> and then I got Quarinx and then I looked and someone else had Karunks. So, but they could have, the name was a little hard to get. Also, I was never clear on the freedom of this thing because the doctor says to it, please discharge your energy into the planet to blow it up. Why couldn't it have done that before? (laughs) Why, 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 what's the problem? Um, And she, they, they try to kind of cover it with a line where the doctor says, I'll arrange to have you released. Mm-hmm. But please blow the planet up for me. And we never see her arranging to have the creature released. Um, so I'm not. And, and then the master somehow has control of it with his little handphone thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't get it's it's like, why couldn't it blast itself free at any time? That's a hole. Yeah, that's a plot hole. Yeah. yeah. And they try to cover it over, but I don't think they succeed. Right. Yeah. This is. The assumption that the assumption is that the, the, the chains are some kind of control on it, but yeah, they don't, they don't explicitly state that they don't, yep. it's just kind of like, yeah, I guess it, it, it's being held and controlled, mind yeah. controlled by the master, who knows. But then it blasts through its own chains. So yeah. 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 But well, overall, really, really fun story. Better than some other regeneration stories mm-hmm. I've seen. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and I was glad to see Chris Chibnall give Jody Whitaker an enjoyable out um, and uh, ditching the preaching and just do straight ahead forward. Let's do this story. That's the way to go. Mm. Yep. And uh, let this be the last time we talk about fam. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't mind that. <laughs> and, and can we say, although this is the one time I want to see this happen, the doctor finally realizes maybe I shouldn't regenerate in the TARDIS and destroy my ship. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is the one time I want to see that happen, yeah. but well, still. Uh, it, yeah, they do need to, they do need to change this skin inside the TARDIS, but that can happen as easy as David Tennant walks in and goes, Ooh, crystals. And he twists a knob and it becomes something else. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is we'll get a new TARDIS for the 15th doctor, but yeah. I was gonna say I would I would love it if they do like a where he he does something like that and it flips through like his old 
console's like, eh, that's a little dated and flips again, you know, something like that. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> Probably won't happen, but it'd still be kind of funny if it did. All right. So that is going to be it for this time. We Before we go, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Thomas M., Sam W., Julia W., Karen M., and Isaac K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is also brought to you in part by Jacqueline Brown, the best-selling author of The Light Series. Check out her new release, Altered, on Amazon or any fine bookstore. Learn more about her and her work at sqpn.com slash brown. That's it from us now. What did you think of The Power of the Doctor, this 13th Doctor Regeneration story? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be having a retrospective episode on the entirety of the 13th Doctor's run and Chris Chibnall's time as showrunner. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. That one will be fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, this was this was fun. And thank you, Dom. Thanks. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. And also thank you to Andy of Sycorax Rock uh, on YouTube for the uh, music that will be playing at the end of this episode. It's one of his songs related to the 13th Doctor. He's got an outstanding series called 13-ish Songs for 13-ish Doctors. Uh, It was originally 13 Songs for 13 Doctors, but then The Fugitive Doctor happened and other things happened. And so so now it's expanded a little. But check out his channel, Sycorax Rock, on YouTube. He does really outstanding uh, music videos, and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. And folks, thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. I'm Don Bettinelli. And remember, all children leave home sooner or later. The joy is to watch them fly. Take 
door, it looks like I'm sorry, Percy Shelley. Won't turn 24. Time won't lie. So the next time I see her, I'd like to find my old self again. Cause I'm still trying to be her after division days. And Ireland dreams, now my boat is in jail. And you're a Charlie Day meme. But you kept my old scarf from the New Year's show. But there's something about Thomas Child I'm desperate to know. I said I'm the start of it. I don't remember it all that well. And here we are with Dan, facing down the flux. I've said it all before, but nihilism really sucks. Case in point, out of joint, you my universe. You know I love my fam, but it's who I am I'm a soldier who's been running since second grade You should see what mommy dearest put me through Do you remember what I said me the bed with you As our longest night begins I'm reminding you the darkness never and I can hear the close to fade. I hear it all too. Just between us, you might soon remember it all too. Just between us, you might soon remember it all too. Between us, you might soon remember all too Tell them a story. Yeah, it's been caught and heard her grand 
was the first bride in Pakistan When she thought she'd find her granddad Brothers with another man They were sure when aliens from space appeared They'd lose their neck But it turned out the groom was doomed And they'd arrived to pay respects Which proves our cover is not the book The Darien's good and the nation crook His hair's the score in love and war We're always the pawns and not the rook It might be seeming that they're demons But the battle cries are keen and cold the day India shook la la Cause they might look afraid But the cover is not the book A joke. He'd endangered several strangers and a random pregnant bloke. He drained the ship of energy, but see, it can't be helped. For I know when I get hangry, I, I am really not myself. A cover is not the book, we just need to give this thing a cookie. Bake some antimatter batter on a platter with the cook. Look at him, he's an cute cute then give him the boots. Once upon a time before the dawn of time, there was a sentient universe, but it was a curse. Went together with our own like cake and liver worse. It had substance and space elements beyond a trace, but the problem see was clear. Oh dear, because the solar tract was messing with matter and light like a jerk. Did it no fault of its own, the thing was gumming up the works. So the proto-matter nation did some proto-calculations, first inventing mathematics. The maths all had it that the cause of all the static was a little solar tract. They looked at the track that was causing the fuss. This accursed universe they gladly threw beneath the bus, because the thing wouldn't work, so they chose its final fate and sent that freaking universe to a little farm upstate. And while that's great, I state the universe we live in ain't even that great. But after years of solitude, a stranger did appear. She said, I am the doctor and you really can't be here and you really shouldn't leech off that grease for the deceased. I know you're all alone. We both have lessons we can teach. Like you'll be a happy frog if you know you're not forgot. It's been a trillion years. You've missed out on a lot. So they talked and they left the frog and found a friend and they both formed a rainbow connection in the end. So the moral folks are complicated. You don't know their mind for it's not so well defined well unless you leave your daughter when she's freaking blind then never mind oh and lives are on the line like those spiders in the mind though it's slightly inconsistent it's important to be kind Suffice. A color 